0: Return a stronger man, but I'll return. I'm Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall. This is Keep Off The Borderlands, a podcast about RPGs and stuff. Come on, let's dive in. Nice to see... Menyun, aka Rob, is back after a six month break with a new episode of Confessions of a Wee Timorous Bushy. Uh, he was talking about being sent some uh, Powell Anderson novels, which reminded me that he sent me a couple of 20 sided D10s back in early January. I think I'd mentioned getting a pair of them with the MERP first edition box set that Games Workshop put out in 1985 and um, that along with all my other RPG stuff kind of it I got lost in the move up to Scotland and um, but I was able to pick up a, a pretty reasonably priced uh, Merp box set from eBay which was Pretty much it had everything in there, plus it had it actually had a copy of the second edition rule book in the box set, which was a nice surprise. I don't believe there's a lot of difference between the editions, but um, uh, the only thing that was missing was those dice, the 20 sided D10s. And I happen to mention this on Twitter, I think it was, and, and Rob kindly responded to that. By, um, He knew where to get some uh, in uh, Kyoto in Japan where he lives And he very kindly sent them to me through the post And I I believe they took about three months to get here But they got here and almost exactly as my memory is One black, one red, 20-sided dice numbered 0 to 9 And um, yeah, very nice they are too Thank you so much for that, Rob. Um, what else has been going on? Oh, Daniel Norton has been doing some great solo stuff on his Bandits Keep actual play YouTube channel. Um, that's been very interesting. I've still got some catching up to do there as I kind of missed the boat on that one. A whole bunch of episodes there to watch, but um, he's going very old school with that and um, yeah, very enjoyable that is too. I'm planning to do some solo stuff myself. I picked up the solo game 12 Years by Max Moon of Max Moon Games after seeing uh, that on the Geek Gamers YouTube channel. Um looked very interesting. Max Moon also recently ran a Kickstarter for an expansion to that, uh, which I backed. Also, Geek Gamers recently recommended a new GM emulator called gemulator from solo tabletop that's pay what you want on drive-through and there is a load of material there. there's lots of random tables and stuff and um i think it would be a great resource for for any gm solo or otherwise and i think that's well worth checking out there's a bunch of great solo stuff from perplexing ruins the creator of Fallen, the rules like 17th century baroque horror fantasy RPG, uh, Perplexing Ruins, put out a great little hex crawl for Cairn called Darkness Moves, which I reviewed back in episode 188 and um, I've kept an eye on their output ever since. Lots of uh, interesting stuff coming out from them. I did touch on my struggles with solo play in the last episode. I think the main issue is making the time to play. I mean, I don't have any issues committing to a scheduled group session, you know. I'll make I'll make the session as long as something unforeseen doesn't crop up, I'm there. But making the time for myself is just a little more difficult, you know. It's um I mean, I mean, I can barely find the time to put together a podcast. But but when I get a bit of time to myself, there's a whole number of things I can be doing. And probably the amount of time that I have to myself generally probably doesn't lend itself to solo gaming. I mean, I, what I I think would help is if I had a space where I could set things up for solo and kind of leave it there That would make it a bit easier to kind of dip in and out of it anyway. Um, You know, I I get a lot of pleasure out of just thinking about the possibility of play, even, you know, flicking through books, thinking about adventures, what would be good for what system, how I could potentially string things together, you know, just doing bits of mental world building. Uh, But I I realise I'm rambling now. But um, that's what I'm here for, isn't it? Um, One thing that I've been thinking about is procedures of play. And I will be talking about that in this episode. Uh, Listening back to the last couple of episodes I put out before my impromptu hiatus, you know, just to remind myself of what it is I'm actually doing here. um, It it occurred to me that I need to make an apology for mispronouncing Sofino's name several times um, of Alone in the Labyrinth when I responded to their call a couple of episodes ago. I'm forever putting the emphasis in the wrong place. Um, Other things that I haven't spoken about, um, had a great game of Cthulhu Dark over the Christmas break. We played in a gothic setting. It was run by the great Scott Dawood. Uh, really enjoyed the system and the game. Um, there, There is a rule in there. There's an interesting rule in there where I, I believe Scott suggested we might not include it in play, but it allows players to oppose each other's actions. So if somebody wants to do something, uh, another player can add complications by rolling against their role. That makes sense. So we spoke about possibly not including that rule, but I believe both Andy Goodman and Barney Dicker introduced that at different points, you know, wanting to throw a spanner in the works, and that was all great fun. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really uh, enjoyable session. Uh, as for Call of Cthulhu, uh, the old farts have um, retired, shall we say. I don't want to give away any spoilers, but we're running a new Cthulhu game with some new characters. We finally realised that we probably should be playing Pulp because of the way things go when when we, we all get together. Um, sadly, Nikki Haller was unable to continue playing with us, but we have been joined by Jenny Friddy, who I have to say is an absolute who. I played in a few games with Jenny and her characters are always... A, a joy to interact with oh and tj drennan of course has been able to rejoin the team and that guy is one hell of a bag of tricks i'm not kidding he never ceases to surprise me but he's just a delight to play with at these cthulhu sessions are actual plays being run by andy goodman for grizzly peaks radio if i don't make that obvious Then there's the Neo-Triassic Shoreline Regression System play test. Wow, I sure butchered that. The Neo-Triassic Shoreline Regression Syndrome system play test. That came to an end after about 16, 17 sessions, I believe. I'm trying my hand at editing those sessions for the uh, End of Plays Actual Play podcast. And um, well, we've just started playing Coyote and Crow, which is a really interesting, it's sort of near future, set in North America, but Europeans never actually made it to the Americas. And uh, that's, that's interesting. The system, as I understand it, is very similar to World of Darkness, uh, which is a game i haven't played so but it may be completely different but it's like a d12 dice pull system and um you know it's a little more crunchy than what i'm used to but i think i'm going to enjoy exploring that setting so um yeah how could i forget i've been playing in a wonderfully intriguing game run by Safer of Safer Fantasy Crafting, he is using Barney Dicker's League of Eternal Guardians rules and utilising a Cluedo board from the game Cluedo, or Clue, if you're that way inclined. And, um, yeah, that's been very enjoyable. and some intriguing events going on there. Uh, This was something set up to be a one-shot, but as... It always seems to be the case with these one-shot games. They run to about three sessions, which is fine by me. Um, Yeah, great, great stuff. I sincerely hope that uh, this session inspires Safer to pick up the mic again, put out another podcast episode. I guess we'll call that an intro. Let's see what's in the pipe. Hey Spencer Jason here. Sorry I'm so late in responding to your latest podcast. Been busy, but as always, it was excellent to hear your voice. Really enjoyed it. I am definitely going to check out the last hand that is as time of this call not available yet on HIO. There's a page for it on HIO, so I have followed it and look forward to that being available. Um, as far as George Patterson, yep, great guy. Talked to him back in January over my show about is Latest product, I can't wait to see what comes next there. So anyhow, keep up the great work. Take care of yourself and I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Jason. Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast there. And stop apologizing. If anyone's tardy around here, it's me. Okay? That was an excellent chat you had with George Patterson back when the Village of Sio was uh first released. And you certainly weren't tardy When it came to promoting that, excellent, excellent stuff from George and yourself. And yes, I can't wait to see what he gets up to next. Thank you very much for your call, Jason. So let's get down to business, the business of procedures, procedures of play to be more precise. Back in early November, I'd really been enjoying blogs on tape, some provocative stuff there, particularly an episode called The Keep on the Borderlands is Full of Lies. And coming at that module from a completely different perspective, questioning what's expected of the players, and um, I found that really interesting. Uh, Thanks to a couple of other episodes where they focused on the the subject of procedure, I felt I was starting to recognise that I may be a bit of a proceduralist. And this may be why I often bounce off a lot of RPG rule sets. One of the first obstacles I encounter is the absence of why. You know, I don't want to be hit with a heap of law, um, a Snippet of poetry, a scrawled note, a couple of paragraphs, fine, but nothing turns me off quicker than even a handful of pages setting up the law of the game. Um, what I want to know is why you know why should I be playing this game rather than something else? What's it hoping to do that other games don't do? And when I'm reading particular rules. I want to know their purpose. You know, what are they doing here? Why have they been included? Is that unreasonable? Certainly something that doesn't appear to be relevant to a lot of game designers. Um, but, well, perhaps that's not fair. But it's more the case of them not considering it relevant to the reader, to the player, those wishing to play the game. I mean, presumably the reader has already purchased the game and perhaps it might be a little cynical to suggest that, uh, you know, why would they be continuing to try and sell the game to somebody who's already purchased it? But I realise that most games seek to get themselves on the table with a bit of evocative writing and that is sufficient for many. That's kind of, I think, oh, that's how i understand it i mean that, that makes sense to me but this desire for a statement of intent is something that certainly helps me to understand why i'm drawn a lot to um kind of osr adjacent stuff uh, what i appreciate in these rule sets the good ones from my perspective is that they often begin by setting out the creator's intentions the design philosophies what their game seeks to facilitate at the table. This doesn't have to be unique. It just has to be clearly stated. For me, that is. I I realise this is a personal preference and may be completely superfluous to you. Um, this brings me back to the blogs on tape and the issue of procedures of play, something a few of the episodes have focused on. This absence of an explicit procedure in most games, the assumption that folks will know how to implement the rules is another stumbling block for me, or more accurately, another part of the same obstacle of why. Well, I guess that's more of a how question. Some seek to just get things going by asking the player, and the GM, if you don't consider them to be part of the player category, some thought-provoking questions, conversation starters, because essentially what, what RPGs are is a conversation. Obviously, there's a lot more to it than that, but asking these questions is a great way to get the ball rolling and bridging that chasm between rules and play. Now, you might think that chasm is overstating it somewhat, but that's how it often feels for me. Again, this issue is often addressed with an example of play, which is great if it's there, Um, but I find myself wanting something a bit more specific, or should I say less specific, a structure, a framework, bullet points, list of operations, a procedure, basically, because as I say, this is more than just a conversation. I realise a lot of this is born out of my lack of experience as a GM, this desire to be ready for anything, you know, forewarned is forearmed and all that. The difficulty of looking at the contents of the book and struggling to imagine it running in play at the table. And I can hear you now. Get down. And I get that a bit of evocative background gets you invested in the world and excited to play in that particular setting. The thought-provoking questions get play started before you even realise what's happening. And that's all great. I just feel I need a little something else. A little something extra. And the more I think about it, the more it seems that this is something that would be easy enough to write myself. Again, I want to be sure I'm not missing anything. And yes, I don't doubt that I'll discover what's missing soon enough if I just get on with it. But I do want to come up with something because I enjoy thinking about these sorts of things. There's great advice in both Into the Odd and Electric Bastion Land. Chris McDowell reminds us what to remember while running the game. And I... Um, To illustrate that, I'm just going to read a couple of bits. Uh, This is from Into the Odd Remastered. Refereeing. A good referee presents the players with interesting choices and ensures that these choices have a meaningful impact on the game. Give information. You are the player's eyes, ears, and nose. Describe the situation and answer questions generously. There should be surprises but players should feel that their decisions are based on sufficient information. Ensure that players know the risks they are taking with their actions. Show impact. Each situation should present the player with an interesting choice. Assessing the risk against the possible reward is a vital part of the game, so help them understand the possible consequences of their actions. Remember, easy choices make a boring game. Present choices. Whatever the player's actions, the game will advance. Ensure that every choice has impact on the current and ongoing situation. If the player's actions call for a save to be rolled, success and failure should both have consequences. He fleshes this out a little bit more in Electric Bastion Land, where he really embraces the whole bullet point approach that I'm such a fan of. Conducting the game, I'll, I'll just say that in Electric Bastion Land, the term conductor is used instead of referee because of the whole conductor-electric connotations. Also, you know, train conductor because a lot of the book, um, the point crawl aspect of it is inspired by the London Underground map and the fonts and layout are very much influenced by how things are presented in the london underground anyway i digress conducting the game conducting the game is a combination of hosting refereeing and playing the game first give information generously information tell the players their current situation when they ask a question give your answer and ask a question back if you think they have misunderstood clarify When the players declare actions, consider your response in the following order. Can this be an interesting dilemma? Why not just make it happen? Call for a save. Whichever you use, describe the impact. Dilemmas. A dilemma is a tough choice. When describing a dilemma, make them pick or push. Present two desirable or undesirable choices. The players either pick one or push for both. If they push for both, it typically expends a resource, comes with a risk or requires an exceptional plan. Make it happen. If there's an interesting dilemma to present, the simplest thing is to just make it happen. Move immediately to the impact. Impact. Tell them what happened immediately. Whenever possible, Amplify the impact. If they give you a golden opportunity for a long-term impact, take it. Answering questions. Give information to make things interesting. Suggest a way to investigate and get more information. Suggest a specialist that knows more. Being a good conductor. Be honest. Bastion land can be strange enough without you throwing in smoke and mirrors. Tell them what's happening and let them make informed decisions. Be fair, you're all in the game together, but you have to be impartial. Let the dice fall openly. Give warnings, but follow through on your word and maintain failure and success as viable outcomes. Be confident, trust in your ideas and give players the experience they deserve. Describe places as if you've been there yourself. Use exaggerated character voices and try out that strange monster you're not sure how to work. All great advice, I'm sure you'll agree. Well, you don't have to agree with that, but I think it's great advice. I very much feel there is something even more fundamental that this is built on. Something so fundamental, in fact, that you would probably consider it ridiculous to be wasting any time even thinking about it let alone wanting to spell it out but and i'll direct you back to the blogs on tape episode proceduralism by gus l the creator of the wonderful crystal frontiers adventures Um, there are problems that can arise when we assume we are all approaching play in the same way maybe not so much of an issue for an established group because such disparities will soon reveal themselves. But when we consider broader groups, maybe folks coming together to play online, or perhaps more poignantly, interactions on social media, this is at the root of much of the polarising discourse that you see flying around. Now, I'm just going to interrupt myself here by saying that Chris McDowell is currently working on Mythic Bastionland and has been blogging recently specifically about procedures and examples of play. I've probably already mentioned this before, but Mythic Bastion Land is freely available as a playtest at the moment and is primarily a hex crawl game, uh, where Into the Odd was focused on dungeon crawling and Electric Bastion Land employs the whole point crawl idea. Um, With the hex crawl approach, you have a slightly different set of procedures to consider in fact what i'll do now is share with you what chris has written for mythic Bastionland. land refereeing primacy of action even when using the rules for travel exploration and combat remember this is the most important thing no rule or system within the game should devalue the actions the players take remember the core of giving players information honouring their choices and describing the impact of their actions. Giving information. The players can only make interesting choices when they are presented with difficult situations and given all the information needed to engage with it. Giving a player a burden that they weren't expecting can feel arbitrary. Instead, present burdens as a cost to desirable actions. For example, you can betray this here, but you will gain shame. Now, I realize I don't want to get into the whole burdens system here. Essentially, what Chris is saying there is that you're informing players of the cost of their actions up front. Improvisation. When faced with a question not answered by a rule, note or procedure, you improvise. Anything too beneficial or too harmful creates the feeling of an arbitrary world. Instead, describe something that does at least one of the following. Evokes the flavour and theme of the area and its inhabitants. Indulges their senses. Vision, hearing, touch, smell and taste. Reinforces something they've already learned about the place. Taking action. When the player takes an action, the referee works down the list. 1. Intent. What are you trying to do? 2. Leverage, what makes it possible? 3. Cost, would it use a resource, grant a burden, or have a negative side effect? 4. Stakes, what's at risk? No risk, no role. 5. Roll, make a save or a luck roll. 6. Impact, show the consequences, honor the stakes, and move forward. Success, when the players succeed, At a significant action, the referee does one of the following. Advance. Move in a good direction. Disrupt. lessen a threat. Resolve. Put a problem to rest. Failure. When players fail at a risky action, they might still complete the action, but always suffer a negative consequence. Threaten. Create a new problem. Escalate. Make the situation worse. Execute. Deliver on a threat impact whether a success or failure ensure the player's actions have an observable impact on the world the best types of impact have both immediate and lasting consequences always moving straight forward ending a session at the end of each session discuss if it would feel right for a season or age to pass between now and the next session if a season or age passes check how much glory each night gains and apply any other effect ask the players if they have any plans or ambitions for the next session this gives you a direction for any preparation you do before then now obviously there's stuff there that's very specific to the system and as i say i don't want to get into that here but i hope you can get some idea of what's being suggested it's a game about knights, honour, arduous tasks. This in particular is breaking things down in a way much closer to a level that I'm trying to get to. Well, I think I'm going to leave it there. There's more I could say and there's more I will say, actually. But I will do that in the next episode. Well, if the next episode isn't me and Barney in the breeze of course I'm very much looking forward to sharing that with you as well speak soon well that's about enough from me thank you for listening thank you for your messages I really do appreciate those if you'd like to leave me a message you can use the messaging function on the Anchor webpage there'll be a link to that in the show notes along with a link to SpeakPipe which may be more helpful for you you can always message me via my email address at spencer.freethrall.com at gmail.com be that text or audio you can find me on twitter at free thrall there's also a keep off the borderlands facebook page and I can be found on discord in the audio dungeon and on a few other channels and if you can figure out how to find me you know more about how it works than I do alternatively you can find links to all those things over on my card page at free thrall one word, dot card, with two R's, dot co. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for all his wonderful music and it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ.